It's Thursday, lunchtime. I'm sitting here with Alex in my pajamas. I mean, I'm in my pajamas. I'm dressed. Alex is wearing his own clothing. I'm an adult. <laughs> I'm an adult. I'm an adult in comfortable <laughs> loungewear. I'm not judging. Anyway, we all know that my resolution is to wear comfy pants, so here I am. There's two giant holes in my house today. I woke up early in the morning to let contractors come and rip out some windows so I feel justified in wearing whatever is comfortable. That's probably the most exciting thing that's happened this week, and that's interesting considering on Monday we ended our most recent 30 by 500 Academy launch. I'm doing a chair dance. (laughs) Yes, we actually, you're underplaying it. We wrapped up the very first launch that we've ever done for the complete 30 by 500 Academy product because the previous two launches we did were like beta. We were selling people a work in progress. So every time we launched it, they were not getting the entire class at once. We knew that there would be bugs. There was a lot of missing content and lessons we still had to produce. So we didn't really get to take any time off and, and celebrate because it was just so much more work left. Well, it was, it's worth saying, like, we were upfront about that. That was part of why we were selling with oh, yeah. a discount and expectations were set appropriately. But I think you're right on the money in that we never got to take a real sort of victory dance at the end of a launch because end of launch just meant more work. Back to the grindstone. <laughs> there yeah. was always something more to do. And it's interesting that we've been running this course for five plus years now and every time every version up until now even the most successful launches we've had were immediately followed by tons of work more work to do tons of work (laughs) tons of work yes it's true i wish i knew how many times we'd actually said we're never doing this again we're never doing this again (laughs) i wish that there were like a transcript of our lives in the last five years so i could specifically like search for that sentence because I know it's been said we're never doing this again. But all of that being said, we're never doing this again. We're never doing this again. <laughs> um, so so yeah, sun, uh, uh, the, we wrapped up a, a two week launch on Monday. Yeah. You just are putting the finishing touches on a postmortem on that launch, which is an interesting postmortem. I don't want to harp on the postmortem itself too it's called much. The good enough launch. The good enough launch. I and- use the word meh and C plus result. And other phrases like that that you don't normally find in a launch postmortem. I think that one of my favorite lines in it, and you'll have to go check it out. Uh, we'll put a link in the show notes. Is you referred to this most recent two week launch as basically walking our last lap? Actually, that I was we it was our victory lap. We walked our victory lap. We walked our victory lap. So I think that's a really interesting way to look at it because by no means was this launch unsuccessful. It's just not nearly as good of a launch as we could have done. And that was by design. Right. It was by choice. Yeah. Which is, it might sound strange, like why would you choose to do a subpar launch? Because we're playing the long game. Also, I am super tired. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's key though. I mean, we, we had a bunch of things sort of stacked in our advantage leading into this launch, which we kicked off right at the beginning of February The biggest one being a waiting list of people that we knew on some degree were pretty interested in taking 30 by 500. So at the very least, if anything, this was going to invite in some of those people that had been emailing us and saying, hey, when are are you going to open up again? Get some fresh blood into the Academy chat room. This was a bit of a rejuvenation. I think it was also just sort of good, healthy mental exercise for us to – 
get some new people in going through the course and feeling what that's like because the next phase is totally different. And in a really I, – I'm more excited about the next phase of what we get to do with our business than I was about any moment of this most previous launch. Oh, my God. Yes. I so completely agree with you that the launch itself was sort of like, meh. I mean, are we glad that we have 64 new students in the class? Absolutely. And they're in the chat room sharing yeah, the work they're really doing. And awesome. It's, I, when I say like it, it's a good men, uh, like mental exercise, I think that yeah. is why. I think the people that have been working through Pioneers and Academy up until this point, people are doing great work. But we know that every time a new batch of students comes in. It's invigorating for everybody, including us. Exactly. Yeah, that is a, that is a very good point. I had not thought of it. That way, you were saying good and healthy, and you guys obviously couldn't see this because this is a podcast, but I tilted my head like the RCA dog, and I was like, I don't know where you're going. <laughs> what, good and healthy? Is it yoga? Is but, it a smoothie? But you see what I'm saying. Are we juicing? We could be juicing. <laughs> I mean, green juices, by the way, guys, not steroids, just in case that wasn't clear. So what are we going to be doing with, with this business this year? I thought it would be fun to talk about the things that you and I are most excited about actually doing that we never really could do before. It didn't really make sense to. There was yeah. no no advantage to optimizing our traffic, optimizing our list, optimizing our launches because we sold out our limited headcount on every version of the class we had up until now. Yeah, if you guys aren't familiar with uh, 30 by 500's history, which, I mean, why would why would you be? It's been five plus years. The class size has always been limited because there's always been uh, a significant live component, whether that was tons of email support because there were large gaps in the lessons and, and in the class um, and in the messaging and how we got people in. So there was just a lot of awkwardness that we had to manually work through, we like sort of patch through. We sort of, I, I like to think that we had Flintstoned 30 yeah, bucks hundred up until We Flintstoned point. it. And if you don't know what Flintstoning is, well, imagine Fred Flintstone in his car that looks like a car, but he's using his feet. He's basically walking, right. but with a whole bunch of heavy stuff it's dragging a, behind him. It's, it's, it's uh, taking a what, what could be or would be automated powered process yeah. and, and using your own effort and energy Spitting as the primary wire. driver of, of that forward motion. Yeah. So a lot of Flintstoning in 3500. A lot of manual overrides with people and, and things that were confusing and helping people along. And we ended up doing the same thing over and over again. So class size necessarily had to be limited and we always sold out. So we never really refined um, the sales page or the launch sequence all that much. We never did any kind of split testing the entire life of 30 by 500. We've done something like almost $2 million in sales of 30 by 500 over, over the time. And we've never split tested anything, which I think astonishes a lot of people, but the, the percentage of sales that we got like is pretty great. Like the average value of someone on our list is pretty huge. So we, we never had to optimize. In fact, it would have been stupid to spend time tweaking our sales page and split testing our emails. So instead we pour that energy into creating a new class product that filled in all those gaps and is the best version. It so gives us, good. gives us all the tools and the ability to do some really important yeah. work this year that will help us scale our effort and will help us put our energy into helping more people in more ways. Yep. So that energy is really going into sort of three primary categories you were outlining before yes, we sat down I today. have an agenda. It's on paper. We're kicking it old school. 
So if you think about it, a product business like ours is really composed of a product itself and then three elements, traffic, funnel, and the launch itself or launches because when you have a product, you can do many, many launches. So we have, you know, okay traffic. Um, we have a incredibly shitty funnel um, and the launch content is pretty good, but nothing to write home about. When we say funnel, I know what you mean, but just like go into more detail into what are the components of a sales funnel, a marketing funnel? What are you actually describing there? Literally rolling up my sleeves. So <laughs> a funnel, I mean, you think of funnel as being like, well, a sequence of emails or whatever that people get that leads them to buy. It's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the entire life cycle from person lands on our blog to person buys our stuff. Specifically, person buys 30 by 500, which is 19.99, and by that I mean $1,999. So our blog is free, obviously. Lots of great stuff on there, but it's a huge leap from $0 to $1,999. Most people are not going to be ready to take that leap for a very long time. If ever. If ever. And so um, we need a path to guide people from different situations and interest level and needs towards that product if it's going to be a good fit for them so currently our funnel looks like hit the blog read a few things maybe if you accidentally stumble across one of our posts where we talk about just fucking ship buy just fucking ship i feel like a lot of our sales right now are actually just driven by word of mouth of just fucking ship based on the email replies that we get to our little autoresponder engine for customer feedback for reader feedback i think you're 100 percent right most people are reading just fucking ship because they heard about it from somebody else and most people end up on unicorn free because someone sends them a link or something because i mean we can't see all our google search traffic because google's jerks and they hide it now um but we have a very long tail of referrals but it's it's nowhere near half of of the traffic we get. So we don't know where people are coming from. Um, people read blog posts, and at the bottom of most blog posts, we pitch our seven-part bootstrapping guide, which, if you think about it, is a pretty crappy offer. It's super vague. Yeah. The content inside of it's great. It's great. We get awesome... We do a shit job of selling it. Yeah. So our conversion rate to the mailing list is pretty low. We've improved it a lot with the pop-up and everything, but um, it's still pretty shitty. Um, the blog is a giant mess. The landing page is a giant mess. We have a, like, start here box but everything else is like chaos Uh, you can't browse content the landing page has the only useful element in the entire site design says start here and lists like the top five best posts that also get people like in the right mindset Um, but everything else is chaos you can't browse posts by category there's no like step one step two step three across a series of posts if you have a specific issue um the call to action on every post is super lame there's a lot of old posts that talk about old 30 by 100 launches with dates and numbers that are incorrect it's horrible so phase one here is you're going on vacation next week i'm leaving tomorrow phase one is getting the fuck out of here and when we come back (laughs) refreshed our our biggest i think objective is we're going to sit down on a whiteboard and map out who the people that are coming to the website are and what are the kinds of problems that they're addressing and they fall into a couple of categories the ones that stand out to me most are people who are struggling to ship things at all you've got maker capabilities but only when somebody else is managing you when you do your own side projects when you try and create your own things you end up with this sort of pile of 50 percent 80 percent 90 percent but almost no 100 yeah. percent completion people a lot of people out there 
who are more than capable of launching their own product business. They shy away from even doing it because they think that they're um, incompetent, that they cannot achieve anything on their own. They feel squashed under that pile of undone projects. I, I think I think the, the, the sort of emotional compa- component underneath what you just said is I don't trust myself to finish this. Trust is a major issue, yeah. And I don't trust myself or my abilities to create something that is good enough for somebody else, even when all of the evidence around you says otherwise. Absolutely. And so that's, of course, what Just Fucking Ship will help people with. But we don't lead people to that almost at all. Like. So- it's an accident if you find it. <laughs> so we've got folks who are coming in who are capable of making but struggle with completion. Absolutely. Then we've also got people who are capable of completion and have actually built things and launched them to the world. And maybe it's the first time or the fifth time or the hundredth time or they haven't done it yet because they're worried that when they launch it, the outcome of all of those scenarios yeah. is – Nobody buys. Or they've launched something that was a harebrained idea. For some reason, people love to think that they're going to connect musicians and venues or handle swing scheduling for salons and things like that. And, but these, these products are doomed to failure because of audience failures. So those are, I think, just two of the biggest categories and by no means exhaustive. Are there any others you can think of? Yeah. So we've got people who can't ship people who can ship stuff but can't sell. And then we also have a third group of people who are actually making money with their products, that they've made some choices effectively, but they they aren't quite sure how they got there. And so they they don't know what to do next or they've tried different things that didn't work. Um, Meanwhile, their product or products are still turning over, you know, a couple grand of sales a year or a couple grand of sales uh, a month, but they're not sure how to get to the next level and they're kind of spinning their wheels. And we, we do have content for them and we have a lot of information to give them but it's totally buried like we don't segment our audience at all and it's it's actually when you you say it like that it is kind of amazing that people do find any of the things that they find yeah i feel like all our audience members are like in a giant room and it's dark and they're all blindfolded and they're just wandering around like (laughs) zombies and occasionally they like hit a product and it goes ding and they the light comes on and they buy so the headroom for Fixing this problem is tremendous. And that's just for people who already somehow end up with us. And so we're also thinking about things where people are discovering our material because we've strategically placed it in places where they would be looking. Which we've basically never done. Some of the examples of that are this podcast, but also others, an opportunity to get in front of other people's audiences. We've been talking with people that we want to get on the show and have them share what they know with all of you. But there's also opportunities for us to be more thoughtful and strategic about us being in front of other groups of people. Yep. I actually have a lot of podcast invitations that have been in my can't fucking deal with it right now list for a while because I couldn't deal with it with the 30 buff 100 stuff that we had to finish. And it's not that you didn't want to. No. It was just not practical. No brain. No brain left. Squish, squish. That was the sound of me milking my brain for all it was worth. I make a shitty Foley artist. <laughs> but moving along from that horrible mental image, we'll want to get in front of some other people's audiences, you know, do some guest posts, do some podcasts. We want to get Just Fucking Ship in the hands of other people. We've done a couple bundles with, with other folks in our industry who are aligned with our vision and our approach to serving customers, but who are not like also running a 30 above 100 type product. So we're getting Just Fucking Ship in other people's hands. The goal is to get Just Fucking Ship on the Amazon Kindle store. The new and improved Just Fucking Ship that we started working on uh, back in uh, the anniversary, back in the end of November, beginning of December. It was December. Yeah. So 
if we get on the Kindle store at an attractive price, then we can get people to buy the book as sort of a loss leader, but not actually at a loss. And we can use Josh Kaufman's brilliant book marketing stuff where if you get the book for cheap and then it says, well, for the worksheets or whatever, send an email to this address where then we can keep in touch with them, even though they bought on a marketplace where they're not our our platform. And so they're not on our mailing list when they buy. I was just talking to uh, an indie hall member about this, and it's unrelated to digital products. He sells a physical product, and actually, he's a new thirty by five hundred student. Oh yeah. Um, he he sells a product called Fat Coffee that is for that sort of bulletproof coffee thing where you put okay. butter and coconut oil and stuff in your coffee, and it's supposed to make it really have you had good this for you? I have had it. It tastes, okay. it tastes quite good. Okay. And it's meant to be it's meant to sort of uh, smooth out the caffeine arc, the like the spike and the crash, really, as well as just the way the chemicals interact with each other there's a, there's an entire we should actually do some research on the business behind the guy who launched this thing because it's the bulletproof marketed, coffee the guy bulletproof coffee guy yeah right ben's new business uh addresses an even narrower segment of this of people who are already sold on the effectiveness of bulletproof coffee but are busy and on the go and don't want to carry a fucking blender with them <laughs> that you need in order to do it right. so he's created a um, it's he, he makes manufactures a powder in a tube that is made from the from grass fed uh, cow's milk powdered and butter. It's powdered. It's ghee. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. Refined and butter. Refined butter and all of the components. And it's basically a. It's like those little uh, iced tea packets. It's like a rip and yeah. go. You pour it in your mug. You swirl it around, and you're off to the races. Crystal light of butter. Bingo. And what's really cool, Ben, Ben, I'm excited to see what Ben does with 30 by 500 because he's very, I think he's already seen and he and I've had a lot of conversations about how his product is not, is very specifically not geared towards convincing people to do butter in their coffee. Oh yeah. It's very second much, order. it's a second order pain of, I'm already convinced of that and it's health benefits and such and such and such. What I'm bothered by is I travel a lot or or I'm a busy business person, whatever it is, I think it's really, really smart, and I'm excited to see what he does. However, he recently got his product onto Amazon. So Amazon is doing sales, fulfillment, the whole yeah. whole bang. The challenge he has now is Amazon owns every one of those customers. Right. And he, they own that customer relationship. So he has to get strategic, like you were just describing with Josh's book technique, yep. of what can I slip into the package that my customer receives that gives them an incentive to contact me, sign up for something, get some supplement, uh, some, some uh, secondary material, whatever it is so that I can continue building that customer relationship. So there must be some way to get people's email addresses because I often get follow-up emails when I buy things from the Amazon marketplace, even if they're fulfilled by Amazon, because I typically only buy things that are fulfilled by Amazon unless it's an antique book. So the way it works, my understanding with Amazon is that you, there are integrations that do that for you, but you as the vendor, all you ever get is anonymized information. You don't get the actual email addresses. Okay. And the, even the tools you get, you are very, very narrowly limited on what right. you're able to I mean, that send makes, them. That makes sense. If every wacky Amazon vendor who had a product in the Amazon's marketplace uh, could email you, that would get real old real fast. So all of this is to say, I think the exact same strategy applies to what you were describing with Josh's book, yep. with Ben's physical product, and what yep. we are able to do with the Just Fucking Ship and... 
also, I think one of the things that we were working on, we started working on a need to complete with Just Fucking Ship is sort of a universe of supplemental exercises and other yeah. things. So it's not just shoot us an email and we'll add you to right. a list. No, it's, no. This is a place to go to learn how to apply the thing that you just read about or get step-by-step step steps. Step-by-step step well, steps? Well, the best follow actions are pain dream fix based just like the best sales pitches so instead of get our seven part bootstrapping guide which guys cobbler's children our ctas are the worst don't copy our ctas as they are now copy where they should be that doesn't make sense okay wayne gretzky self we should do uh as just like a, a passing thought and i don't want to derail this too a much. tear down of our own site i was gonna say a tear down uh, uh, and we basically like do a, a live workshop maybe we do like a crowd cast of us going through all the CTAs and revising it, record that entire process and share that with everybody. That would be really fun. That would be a lot of fun. All right, let's move on. Okay, moving along. Um, so CTA suck. Uh, for the book, as it will be, we'll have to give a very specific pain dream fix CTA. So yeah, instead of seven-part bootstrapping guide, we'll be like, unclear how to implement X step, get this free booklet. All you have to do is send us an email. We'd love to help you through this process. That kind of thing. And make it easy. X time, you know, all the things that make it clear that the, the goal is achievable. They can take the pain and turn it around and get what they want, which we know works because people have been telling us all kinds of success story with the book, even in its version one unrefined state. But I actually have an idea, by the way, for the book. We were going to sit down and create a much bigger, more in-depth book. And then we hit those roadblocks that we did, um, ran out of energy and, and the issue with how are we going to position it? And Josh Kaufman gave us some advice that we need to pick what type of book we're doing. I actually think that we should just spiff up Just Fucking Ship as it is without adding a ton of case studies or things like that and put that on the Kindle store for cheap and make version two more of a premium book. And the premium book is the one that we're able to do more package Absolutely. Uh, add-ons, case study yep. videos, recordings, and so and all those things. I like folks that a lot. who bought at like 12 to $19 so that they don't feel bad that the book is like a year and a half later on the Kindle store for like four ninety nine or something. We can give them all that Give them stuff. something good, something tasty. That sounds great. I love that. Also, it's less work, less work and faster to market. Less work, faster to market, and it solves the problem of giving both the people who have already bought something great as well as giving even more value to the people who are coming along along the way. It's, yeah. it's just like, I, I love that. It's a very it, elegant solution. It's Yeah, it multi, multifaceted. It addresses multiple problems with one... And guys, I'm all about one solution that does double or triple dipping for problem solving because, frankly, I don't have the energy to do two to three times the work. Well, that's – I mean we're always <laughs> looking for ways to make things yeah. – do the work of two or three X. It's the only way to go. And it's not that hard once you get into that mindset. I think it's interesting how often people look at something like that and feel like it's cheating. Like if you don't choose the hardest way possible, you're in some way cheating the system. We get that attitude a lot, which was one of the most surprising things about beginning to teach people how to build a business is how many people actually said to us, literally said this. This is not us reading between the lines. If I just go with the audience that I already have, that's like cheating. Or like, you're serving an audience you already have. That's basically cheating. It's like, what? <laughs> what? 
Cheating is when there's a game with multiple players and defined rule sets and there's like a social contract. Choosing to do an easy thing in your business that is logical. And gives you an advantage. And helps people. That is not cheating. It is not a game. You do not win points for taking the hard face of the mountain. More likely you fall and die. I think that that last part is the key is people feel like if I take the hard route, I have worked harder and therefore earned more, even though that that worked that way, because the people who are going to be your readers, your customers, your your reviewers, whatever, they don't care whether or not you took the hard route. They only care about their own results. And whether or not you got them to them. So what we're talking about is what is the most effective, what is the least expensive in terms of time and money way to get a result in someone's hand that we already know that they need. That's what this is all about. And that's why our our victory lap launch was so great because we got an almost 6% conversion rate from our mailing list for the wait list to sales, which is huge. And we didn't have to put forth a ton of effort because we decided, well, we're going to just take this launch easy and we're going to play it on easy mode. And we're going to take the easy mode rewards, which are not as big as the I'm going to sit down and plan a three month long launch, which will get tons of sales. We just didn't want to. And so we didn't because we can launch it again later. And we're going to. And we're going to. Ah. Feels good. Yes. So let's just wrap up maybe talking a little bit about how we want to approach launch. We've talked right. about, uh, and this is something where like we have not made a concrete decision about how we're going to do this. Yeah, we we're know, kind of trying know stuff. We're going to go in a direction yep. that allows us to experiment, that allows us to try out some of these new things we've been reading about couple of blog posts recently that really stood out. There was the one from Brian Harris, uh, yep. Video Fruit. Amazing postmortem of his launch. What were some of the other ones? There was that cool one on segmenting the different tracks of users for strength theory, some sort of weight training, something that was on the drip, get drip blog. That was really cool. I liked how they visualized the different tracks people could follow. Like you, you join the mailing list and then you get segmented into different types of e-courses of interests and then that funnels you towards different products or different levels of products i thought that was really cool we can actually reap the benefits of processes like that yeah we can go study other people that are doing interesting things and launch do our own experiments based on that share what we learn make improvements right. we've got students that are doing more successful launches it was than we brennan. Do. what brennan told us about his evergreen launches but he didn't publish that yet that's what ah that's right that's right so brennan going- being one of our students who whose business earned double what 3500 did last year one student one student of many. So moving towards uh, a an evergreen or a hybrid evergreen launch model that will allow us to open doors to 30 by 500 more often, which means... Right. So hold on. Let me explain what that means. I don't think a lot of people know what evergreen launches are. Um, they're not made of fur trees or rabbit fur. I don't know where I'm going with that. But um, my puns are not on point today. So an evergreen launch is... A launch that keeps rolling. So it's not that we launch 3500 four times a year, for example, if we had an evergreen launch, but rather we would either run a launch every month to that month's cohort, but the monthly launch would be on a specific day, or you could do a true rolling launch where let's say John joins the list on the 15th and Abby joins the list on the 23rd. Well, the same six to 12 weeks later, based on the 15th or the 23rd, they would get launched too. I always think about this sort of like the... Individualized cohorts of one. You get a sort of 
viewing window into a launch that is tailored to you. Right. So the launch is relative to the person rather than to us. Right. Which turns into sort of this really interesting interaction where we'll have multiple people going through a launch simultaneously, in theory, but also people going through different stages of the same launch at different times. Right. So there would be a steady stream of people joining 30 by 500, which might not make sense. I mean, we don't know how well that would work logistically. But also, um, if you do a true personalized rolling launch like that, you have to come up with a different reason for people to decide yes or no. You can't say, well, launch window closes, you know, or, I mean, you can, you can, but it, it's, you know, truly artificial and, that, and that's fine. But you also cannot do any social proof by like X tickets sold in this time frame or, or anything like that, uh, unless you're lying, which is not what I would do, ever do. Right. Agreed. So there's like different pros and cons. If there's a new person joining 3500 every other day, that might be really disruptive to our group chat. I think it very much could be that. That's one of the biggest things I'm concerned about with uh, with doing something where people are joining every other day yeah. versus even something where it's every two to four weeks. I think there's a, a major ramp up getting yeah. comfortable in yeah. this environment. I agree. Thing. The other thing that's really interesting, and we'll have to learn how to address, I think we can address, but we will need to build into the both the launch as well as the onboarding, is... Even though we say in every component of everything leading up to and onboarding the class, this is done at your own pace, at your own schedule. When people are in an environment where other people are working on the same material, they get this interesting thing in their heads where they're somehow (laughs) behind. And you can't be behind on something that you are doing at your own pace. It's just impossible. And I I just – I literally just say that. Some people, they go, oh, yeah, right. But it's, it's a head game. It's yeah. a total head game and reminding people that the only person they should be comparing themselves to is them yesterday, yes. them last week, them with the last e-bomb, them with the last launch. Compare to yourself and that's it. We're going to need to really reinforce that in the class as we get more cohorts joining on a more regular basis. Yeah, and then also, I mean, we don't have as much of the sort of surrounding content that prepares people for that that we we used to do more for the other classes because it was extremely urgent that everybody be on the same page with the limited time that we had together and we we've worked on the lessons and they're amazing and we tell people it's it's self-paced but i feel like we we need to bring sort of like the habits pre-class back or something like that sort of the the learning environment needs a little bit of work yeah I think I think that's going to be a great place to put some work into improving, and I, I which agree. Which we can now because we're not on the treadmill anymore. <laughs> it's not. We don't have the urgency to be solving students' problems. Students are working through the material and getting the kinds of wins that we want them to. Right. We just get to sort of look for. They're no. They're no longer like super hot spots of pain. Right. They're more like warm spots of anxiety. Someone's Where- peeing in the pool. <laughs> I don't want anybody to pee in the pool. <laughs> Just a little. <laughs> this is going to require some testing. It's going to require some experimentation. Not every strategy that everybody else uses is going to work for us because not every class has a learning experience and a right. learning environment like the one that we teach. In fact, I, I would be surprised if there were many or any that feel exactly like what we do. So we've got a revamp of the website and just smarter 
paths into and through right. the website. We've got a new funnel, and when we say funnel, we're talking about the life cycle of a person going from never heard about us and just discovered us to buying something to buying something, whatever it is, whether yep. it's JFS or, or thirty by five hundred itself. And, and I would also I want to add a couple other things in that funnel, and and you didn't say them explicitly, but I think they're important. It's not just getting people from knowing us to buying things it's getting them from knowing us to implementing advice right getting them from knowing us to finding the solution to the problem they're dealing with now actually putting our advice into action feeling the win and then coming back and saying all right that was good i solved that problem but you and i both know that in business and life problems don't go away you just trade them for new problems pain is infinite and eternal so (laughs) every time you yeah it's whack it's whack-a-mole and and I'm glad that you brought that up because not everyone listening knows that that is actually the exact strategy that we teach in the class. The best, most persuasive sales tactic in the entire world is not in Robert Cialdini's book of influence or anything by What's-His-Face who writes those creepy books on mastery and seduction. What's-His-Face, Robert, Robert Green. Anyway, the most useful sales tactic the most effective sales tactic in the entire world is to have somebody already experience a win before they pay you that is the most persuasive most trust building thing that you could possibly have and so we our entire content marketing focus our entire blogging podcasting interviewing writing approach is to get people to have success with something whether it's our blog post a podcast the book that they bought or the class. It's all about, about success. So it's not just some sort of cold calculated. Yes. How, do we, how do we get money out of your wallet? Yeah. No, it's, I mean, I imagine I described before going through and, and whiteboarding out what are the different sort of entry points? What are the specific problems? And then I think the next step from there is, okay, what is the specific problem? What is the successful outcome of us right. addressing that problem? And then we have to fill in the gap with, what do we give people in order to do that? Whether it's a paid product or something for free, a yep. workshop, a webinar, an episode, bringing on a guest, all of those things. And I would literally, I'm saying all of those things as in we can and will do all of those things. All the things. And more and more of them over the course of the year. I think that it's going to be really, really fun. So, the, And then the last phase is sort of redesigning launch so that right. we're not doing launch by the seat of our pants every single time. Nope. The, the fun thing about that, though, is we can still do a launch by the seat of our pants. If we want to. If we wanted to. If there was something coming up, <laughs> if there was something coming up, if there was something going on in the zeitgeist of yep. conversation, we said, you know what? This conversation we can riff on and do something really valuable with and really uh, – capture a bunch of new attention <laughs> about that thing we can do that we can do we can do that but it'd be nice to not have to i completely agree so i, I mean i think we're, we're talking about doing it you know x times a year and not a rolling launch then right i think so but we'll just have to make sure that then people who join like right before the launch or in the middle of the launch are saved for the next launch like we still have to do some pretty clever segmenty type stuff so as to not blow the chance i think the the way through this that i like is if you treat it sort of like the alternative timelines in back to the future oh god um this is my favorite movie in the world but but hear me out so when <laughs> when, when we initiate a rolling launch and I, I i think about this more like a hybrid rolling launch where right. People will join an upcoming launch 
based on an event that we do, a live workshop uh, or something along those lines that gives or, or, or a new giveaway, right? something, al- e- even a new product. And that basically pulls them into the alternate timeline. That is them hitting 88 miles per hour. And only people who have gone through that particular event that month, maybe we do it once okay. a month or so, the people who are on out on that alternate timeline experience a pre-created automated launch sequence that we can run multiple times. You know what a better metaphor would be? Something where they don't end up accidentally sleeping with their mother. He didn't actually sleep okay, with his mother. Okay, almost accidentally sleeping with his mother. I'm going to – so the – back to the future. How about a train track metaphor? We could do a train track <laughs> metaphor, but I like back to the future. Anyway, I, you see you see what I'm saying, I, though. I completely, I completely get what you're so, saying, and that so, makes total sense. Parallel the, track. The fun thing about this, though, is it gives us a, a regular reason – to be doing something with our broadest audience. And we're right. not going to stop interacting with and doing things with our main audience, with the main list. We're going to be working on, on getting more people onto that list. We're going to be working on making sure we're delivering more value. But we'll have to be really smart strategic about running those two things in parallel. It sounds like twice as much work. But if we're doing the alternative timeline, the launch timeline, if you will, as something that is reusable, is something right. that is – we're able to test it. We're able to improve it, but not reinvent it every time. I think we can create like that being something that is hyper tuned, hyper effective, as hyper effective as the sales page that we don't really. I'm nodding, you guys. I'm uh, nodding. Deep. I think that I think that approach, and and again, going through and and when we're working on these things, making sure the microphones are out and talking through what makes sense and what doesn't, because not every component. I mean, in theory, this is the kind of thing that in theory is based on like four different strategies that I've seen. And in my head, it makes sense. But when we actually sit down to put it to paper, I imagine some of these things are going to fall apart. I completely agree. Like right on actually until, until we started talking, I thought that an evergreen rolling launch would make sense. And then I started running my mouth. We're rubber ducking our strategy right here, right now, you guys, this is not scripted that people joining the class every other day just doesn't sound, doesn't sound good. But I mean, that's the thing about plans, right? They don't survive reality. Contact with the enemy. But there's also a bunch of things we need to optimize in the launch slash product itself. Not the product content, the lessons, any of that. But like we should split test our sales page. I feel like when I look at the sales page, even though we worked really hard on it, I look at it. If you hesitate at the end of a paragraph because you're not sure if you should go to the next paragraph, I mean, you lose sales that way. So I feel like we need to rework the sales page. We can finally split lit test it you know we can create packages we actually had packages before with the email follow-up course but we didn't have the energy to devote to it we're also going back to what we talked about with different categories of customers our sales page right now is super tuned to a very specific kind of customer who our designer developer audience traditionally is full of people who are great at coming up with things to build that they're that they never sell Right. Or don't sell, I should say. But there are also people who want to start a business and don't come up with ideas. They struggle with ideas. Yeah. And the pain storming through fixed storming process that we teach absolutely could help them. You were saying before the people who have successful businesses, but they don't know how they got to where they are. So they're crippled by the inability to make a decision for the risk that they 
blow up what they had because they have no yeah. idea how to repeat it. Yeah. Those three categories could be unique sales pages unto themselves. Yes, they could. Without actually having to change the product itself. Uh, I'm so excited. This is going to be a lot of fun. We are going to take some much needed time next week, uh, the next two weeks to travel a little bit. And then we'll be back in the saddle with a new episode of the show. We'll be back in the saddle with getting some of these plans underway. And I know we always say... We're not doing that again, but we're, we're really, really never not doing that again. Really never doing that again. You guys, hold us to it, would you? 